Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello you lovely listeners, it's Sarah here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about my online yoga studio at home with Sarah. Perhaps you've been thinking about starting a yoga practice or maybe you need some extra unwinding time at home to de-stress and relax. Then my online studio is the perfect place for you. From fluid and dynamic yoga flows to soft, soothing practices and meditations, My online space is the perfect place to come home to yourself wherever you are in the world. And as you're here and listening to the podcast, I wanted to gift you a free month to explore the online studio. So for new subscribers, please use the code Kitchen Club, all in capital letters, for your first month free. Head to my website, sarahmalcolm.co.uk for more details on how to join. And I cannot wait to welcome you in. And welcome back to Kitchen Club with me, Serena Lau, and my fabulous friend, Sarah Malcolm. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from around the kitchen table. Each week, we have a brilliant new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe, which is created using our guests' three favorite ingredients. Today's guest is Buki Fadipe, founder of Adventures in Om a resource for those seeking tools, inspiration, guidance, and education in support of their growth and expansion. Her mission is to create a compassionate community that will foster holistic healing using sacred medicine allies, indigenous and shamanic earth wisdom to enrich our modern lives. We are so excited to be chatting to Buki about all things psilocybin, mental health, and using psychedelics as part of a holistic healing journey. So without further ado, let's dive in with Buki. Hello, Buki. Welcome to Kitchen Club. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, you two. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Serena. Thanks for having me here. I'm really grateful to be here. Buki, we're going to dive right in and first discuss your three favorite ingredients that you told us. Can you can you remember what they were? It always um, feels like yeah, a, a trick. I think uh, chickpeas were definitely at the top of the list. Um, it was quite interesting putting that together because I was like, oh God, where do I start? Which ones do I really... And I just focus on, you know, uh, the ingredients that I've been using predominantly for the last six months and getting into. I think I put down coriander as well, right? I think I said red cabbage or garlic. Kind of a random combination. (laughs) But those are the three things I'm using the most at the moment. They're so versatile, you know. Um, yeah, they're my favorites. You could, it's, it's incredible what you can do with chickpeas. <laughs> oh, isn't it just actually, I was just watching a video on making chickpea, chickpea tofu rather than like making your own chickpea tofu. It looked really yeah. inspired actually. Maybe I'll, um, I'll link the recipe. Um, but they are so versatile, so versatile. Yeah. So the recipe that we've created for you 
Well, Serena had loads of ideas for your ingredients, actually. And we were going back and forth for ages, weren't we, Serena? Mm -hmm. We couldn't decide because I I think it is because chickpeas are so versatile. There was a million things we could think of, but we settled on. Sarah, you can describe it. No, go on. You you describe it because you're better at describing food. (laughs) I think we're saying this because we haven't come up with a very good name for it yet. We've (laughs) called it a rainbow bowl, but it's basically some delicious quinoa, some roasted butternut squash, um a like tangy lemony red cabbage pickled red cabbage yeah that's it that's the word I was looking for pickled um Sarah made these delicious crispy maple paprika chickpeas and then she made and um, we had some avocado and some rocket and Sarah made the most amazing like green tahini herby sauce with loads of coriander I think basil and parsley and lemon and garlic this sounds heavenly yes totally my vibe totally the direction that I was actually hoping that you'd go in um yeah rainbow bowl we'll just pass the recipe through the screen to you totally I was gonna put down quinoa I was like that's also kind of boring but I thought something versatile that you can do things with um yeah, that sounds incredible. Um, yeah, can I, can, do I get the recipe? You Absolutely. do. <laughs> awesome, great. Yeah, I'm really excited about the tahini. Did you say it was like a herby tahini? Yes, it's so that. good, Buki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. And actually we created this one. I think I say this about almost every one of our recipes, but we created, I thought, oh, it seems a bit boring. <laughs> like the, all of, you know, putting things just in a bowl. No, no, But then we ate it and it was divine. It sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds oh, really. So good. So I hope you can yeah. enjoy that very soon. Yes, I will. I will. And I'll, I'll, send, I'll send photos. I'll send a Yay! report back. <laughs> yeah, on what I create. I've just come up with a lovely little segue. I was going to say, let's stop talking about food and start talking about mushrooms. But it is the same. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Totally we have so much to chat to you about today. I've Honestly, I'm not sure I've ever had a guest that I have so many questions for. But before we get into, you know, the, mag- the magic of mushrooms, um, could you tell us a little bit about Adventures in Om and how that came to be? Yeah, of course. Um, so um, Adventures in Om, I guess I call it my little baby at, at the moment. It's, um, it's still quite young. It's, a, it's only about a year old. Um, it actually started out as a platform for me to sort of share my experiences um, before it became a professional sort of space. Um, I came about this work in, in terms of, you know, working with psilocybin, with, with magic mushrooms or with psychedelics generally um, as a way to, to heal from depression holistically. I'd suffered from rep- uh, depression for 15 years on and off. Um, I had pretty chronic anxiety. Later found out I was actually um, suffering from uh, complex PTSD. Um, but this this was, it's been a journey as, as it is for many people. You know, you don't heal from these chronic illnesses overnight. It's, it's really a process. Um, so actually Adventures in OM started out as, as a space for me to kind of come out of the psychedelic closet, if if you will, you know, I kind of felt that it was necessary to voice what I was going through specifically because, you know, I know I I knew at the time so many people that were struggling with the same sort of illnesses and the same problems. And so many acquaintances, colleagues were on antidepressants and even more depressed because of the fact that they were on antidepressants because of the, some of the horrific side effects of them, you know? So I, I actually did it as a way to, you know, speak quite openly about some of the benefits, um, also to share, you know, harm reduction kind of methods, um, and to kind of participate in that destigmatization. um, because I kind of feel, you know, we're still in a society that's, um, shaped by science, which we need. Obviously, science is catching up now to what a lot of indigenous cultures have known for quite a while. Because, you know, even though we're calling this a renaissance, um, in some parts of the world, these medicines haven't actually ever kind of been shunned or, you know, um, criminalized. So we have to remember that, that actually it's only here in the West that they're coming back to the fore. Um, so really, yeah, Adventures in Om sort of started as, as, as a space for me to share and it's now grown into more of a uh, professional educational container. 
Um, I run courses. I, I also write for a few psychedelic platforms. Um, I provide uh, one-on-one guidance and tuition for people sort of preparing to embark on the psychedelic journey alone or even people that are you know, thinking about committing to a a retreat, um, but don't want to just sort of pay, you know, a few, because they're quite expensive, a few thousand pounds. They kind of want to know what they're getting into. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's for for people that are are seeking alternatives mostly to, um, pharmaceuticals to, you know, um, standard Western, um, medicine, let's say, because also it's not just, folks that are healing from depression. It's people that are kind of seeking expansion in all areas of their lives. You know, these medicines are really kind of diverse in, in the places that they they take us to and, and how they assist us in healing. So um, yeah, Adventures in Om is it's, it's quite a big container. Yeah. Umbrella it incredible. Over it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. And, and Vicky, for because um, there might be lots of our listeners that this is a brand new topic and conversation for for myself uh, it's quite new new to me I know Serena loves she's been wanting to have this conversation on the podcast for such a long time but please may you kind of briefly tell us um, a little bit about psilocybin as a plant medicine rather than what a lot of people might assume uh, psychedelics and mushrooms within the kind of recreational use of that, if that question made sense. Yes, for sure. Um, in, in terms of their sort of therapeutic value, um, I mean, let's say I think their value is therapeutic in the way that I think we need to also just sort of shape the way we see therapy, the way we see healing generally. Um, but psilocybin is, um, the, component that is found in psychedelic mushrooms it actually when it uh, enters the body is converted into psilocin um, which is the component that works with our serotonin receptor so it mm. kind of mimics the serotonin receptor um, and it assists in um in, in neuroplasticity, which is basically um, the reconfiguration of our neural pathways. So what they're finding through um, neuroscience is that um, people with depression, people with things like PTSD, people that have suffered from traumas, um, a lot of our neurons, uh, sorry, our, our, yeah, our, our pathways kind of end up breaking and disengaging with each other. Um, and this causes all sorts of varying problems. Um, so when psilocybin, so this is just the, the, the aspect of it working sort of neurobiologically, what it does in our brain, it does all sorts of things, you know, in the rest of our body. Um, but it helps with neurogenesis, which is the growth of new neurons which basically means that it helps us kind of reconfigure our brains. So it's great for healing things like depression, healing things like anxiety. It acts like a resetter. Um, And it doesn't necessarily kind of add any components to us. It basically just goes in and reconnects, you know, pathways that weren't kind of communicating and then engaging other parts of our brain. I mean, you see all these charts where it shows, you know, in in certain trials um, where a certain group has been given a placebo and then another has been given the psilocybin and, and, you know, they have these visuals that show just the crazy communication. Um, it allows for our parts of our brains, regions of our brains that don't normally get to kind of communicate on our day-to-day regions that we don't access um, to kind of fire up. Um, so it really kind of, um, that's what this re, uh, neurogenesis is about, the, the creation of a new neurons and new neural pathways. Because when we enter adulthood, um, it said for, for quite a while, actually, science scientists kind of thought that's it. You know, once you enter adult, your brain kind of doesn't take shape and it's it's already kind of formed. I mean, this is a lot of the history. And this is kind of what we've been grown up and educated yeah. on. But what they're finding is actually psychedelics in general, specifically psilocybin, changes things quite dramatically. So it's really, really quite exciting um, because it allows us to 
um, understand the full capacity of, of our brains and the fact that, um, you know, they can be reconfigured and damage that is, is caused can be fixed. Um, so it's really an incredible medicine in that respect. But what it also does is it, um, it, it, it brings a lot, you know, cause it, cause it, because of the brain regions that it works with, you know, our hippocampus, which is um, responsible for, it's, it's the region that's responsible for memory, um, for creativity, for communication. And, you know, anybody in the audience listening, sorry, um, that has suffered from depression or anxiety kind of knows that um, when you're in those low states or, or PTSD, it's, you know, it, it, it affects those specific you know, aspects, memory loss is a big thing. You know, you get attention sort of deficit disorder in in a sense when you're depressed too, because you just can't focus on anything other than, you know, how down you're feeling. Everything sort of starts feeling like a slog. Um, So because of the way it allows these parts of the brain to engage, it really kind of resets that. Um, And more so, so it's not even resetting, recalibrating you to how you were before. It kind of almost takes your brain to how it was when you were a baby, you know? So actually what they say a lot of the time is when you've had one, you know, quite sort of significant dose, um, you come back, you know, after, after your journey and you are kind of seeing the world through a childlike kind of filter again, you know, you receive that sort of um, excitement of life and looking at things in a completely new way, everything kind of glows again, you know? Um, so they're, they're, that's the magical kind of aspect because also they induce these mystical, um, spiritual, um, experiences. So there's, there's so much of them. They're so diverse. And I'm, I'm just really excited at all the, you know, the research and the fact that they're really sort of been taking, they're now being taken seriously. Um, as, as, as holistic ways. Cause unfortunately it's quite clear that, you know, um, the pharmaceutical route isn't for everybody. You know, we're not all configured the same people have reactions and, um, it's, they're also not necessarily, uh, they, they help sort of suppress our symptoms rather than engaging us in a healing process. And what psilocybin does is it actually kind of, um, engages you, you know, by, by that configuration, it kind of almost gives you the tools to then go out and and participate in life in a completely new way. You know, yeah. it, it allows you to sort of, it brings so much more out of you. Um, it, it reminds me um, a, a little bit of um, something in, in yogic philosophy, um, the koshas, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Yes. And kind of getting back to the true self, the Atman. And yeah. when you're, you're kind of born in that blissful state of your, is it an under Maya kosher and yeah. with time and life and experience, you know, these other layers of the body are kind of hardening you and stopping you from being that true self. And it feels like that kind of thing of kind of stripping back to the, to the sweetness of you. Completely. Yes. Um, you know, that's so well put stripping back to the sweetness of you, stripping back to your core essence mm. before all these traumas were inflicted or, or, or even if you're not suffering from a trauma, I mean, just the wounds of life, you know, the horrific things that we kind of digest on a day to day, because, you know, life isn't just a bed of roses and, and that sort of has an impact on us. It, it kind of forces us to sort of compress into ourselves and kind of shrink, you know? Um, so I really love that you know, it, it, that, that analogy of stripping back and, and peeling off the layers. Mm. Really that. Yeah. And just in terms of comparing the use, kind of using it as plant medicine rather than recreational use, I guess there's a lot that the difference is like intention behind that rather than just kind of taking it whenever Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't speak to that, but the, the difference really, I was kind of more speaking to the therapeutic mm, aspect. No, it was great. Um, yeah, I mean, it, this, this, you know, working with, with psilocybin and with plant medicines generally um, is all about intentionality. I mean, it's not to say that they can't be used recreationally um, and um, for, for actually some sort of healing to come about 
from that accidentally. That's not really accidentally. It's just part of the process. It's more a case that we're able to identify um, where healing might be happening, where we might be flourishing if we have the intent of, you know, of, of, seeking that growth and, and those changes anyway. Yeah. Um, so that is definitely the, the core difference between using it recreationally um, and using it as a mechanism for, you know, as a healing catalyst in a way. Um, intention allows you to engage and build relationship with the medicine in a way that using it recreationally doesn't. Um, because you know, these, these mushrooms, they're, they're actually quite sentient. They, they have a personality um, and they want to engage with you in that way. And I, and I think, I mean, this is, this is, you know, I'll share the fact that I appreciate the scientific and the, the clinical um, methods that are kind of coming to the fore, but actually as I'm growing and, and, and um, deepening into this work, I'm finding that actually, you know, educating myself on, on the ways and methods of the indigenous cultures that have been using these practices for thousands of years is actually mm. kind of giving me a whole lot more insight. Um, but, you know, people like Terence McKenna have spoken to the fact that they have a personality and they're sentient. Um, and when you think about them as being alive like that, um, this is where that intentionality comes in and you're able to kind of build relationship because they really listen to you. You'd, you'd be amazed um, at the difference of, you know, embarking on a journey without, without an intention. You'll have an incredible experience for sure. You know, if you're paying right attention to set and setting and, you know, making sure you're sort of mitigating harm. But once you kind of enter with an intent, whatever that may be, um, they really assist in sort of shining a light on whatever it is that you're kind of seeking to see or needing help or assistance mm. with, or, you know, um, yeah, they're, they're incredible. They listen, you know, they listen and they, they, they come to your aid. They're kind of like teachers is the way that I see them, you know, um, and our journeys are like being in a classroom of life again, they're kind of showing you the ways and the wonders and the magic that we don't necessarily experience, you know, in our sort of normal 3D reality. <laughs> they, yeah, they take us into a, into a bit of a different realm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're amazing. Um, you can tell I'm a fan you're a very difficult person to interview because you say so many things that I then <laughs> want to go back to and pick up on. And then like, obviously we don't have endless time and they keep getting lost. Um, I think the, the thing that really stood out to me that I find fascinating is the antidepressant comparison. Mm. I was on antidepressants for years and I know that a lot of people find they kind of numb you, as you say, it's like a sticking plaster over the problem rather than getting to the root and helping that. And I can't even remember where I was going with that. I just think it's fascinating that comparison that like, no, I've, I've actually completely lost my train of thought, but <laughs> I'll ask you something else because I know what I wanted to say while you were saying it. And yeah, now it's so gone. I, I think I'm kind of getting to, you know, where I lead it. And I, and I hope I, you know, I, I, I try to be very careful when I speak about antidepressants because I'm not putting them in a negative. I hope I'm not putting them in a negative category. I actually had some not very good experiences, you know, quite negative ones too. And I was also witnessing firsthand um, experiences from other people and, and it just prevented me from going back. So in, in, in essence, I suffered even more before I started engaging with psilocybin because I just, it was just, yeah, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You want to get better, but because you see the, the, the avenue available to you is damaging, you kind of then, you know, you, you, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and things like counseling and, 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 um, therapy sort of helped, you know, but really we're just not scratching, you know, we're just scratching the surface. Um, so I, I hear you, uh, because yeah, they, they are sort of numbing or they can be. Um, and I think more so, you know, it's all, it's all well and good sort of repress, assisting us in sort of repressing these symptoms so we can get on with our lives and we can mm. function. That's really important. Um, but we're not necessarily actively engaging in our own healing process. There's, they don't activate our autonomy like psychedelics do. Psychedelics really 
kind of inspire us to engage with our lives again, to take the reins, you know, and to sort of regain our power and, and our sovereignty and, and our, you know, de- decision-making processes to really kind of dig deep into those fundamental questions of, of what it is that we aren't happy with, what it is that we're seeking, you know, the meaning um, in our lives that we're wanting to sort of engage with again. And that for sure is vastly missing, you know, with, with antidepressants. They don't engage with us in that way. Um, so that's why I kind of keep speaking to the, you know, to the differences, because I think it's important to allow people, especially those who might have, um, you know, they've been, you know, they've been kind of shunned <laughs> for a few decades, these medicines, and, and worse still, they've, um, there's, there's been a lot of press on, on, on psychedelics and LSD having the potential to send you, you know, schizophrenic or crazy. Um, so there's a lot of fear, um, I think, with people that don't know the full capacity and the true story of, of, of psychedelics and um, the scope that they have for, for profound, you know, healing. Which actually leads me very nicely onto my next question, because, you know, it's, uh, you you've or people say that psychedelics if taken carefully and appropriately and properly are actually very safe compared to many other drugs and like if alcohol was released now as like new street drug it would be the most class a illegal harmful addictive yeah. thing possible yeah um but that's why i took your three part online workshop psilocybin journeys I've got the name. Is yes. it, have I got the name right? Yes. 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 That's it. Um, yeah. Which was fascinating because it, it is providing that information that helps make taking psilocybin safer. And your course completely blew my mind. To anyone listening who's interested in the topic, I really, really recommend you do Buki's course next time she runs it because, I mean, it's a huge amount of info in a very short space of time. And it was fascinating. The thing that really stood out to me was the stuff that you were saying about the DMN. Mm-hmm. which maybe you can explain to people for me, but it that was about breaking down negative thought patterns and shifting your perspective. And I'm guessing that's the neuroplasticity stuff that you've been talking about. Yeah, to a certain degree, it kind of is. Well, I mean, neuroplasticity is basically the engagement in new neuro pathways. So I, I'm not a neuroscientist. I just have to preface this with saying, so I can't speak to it, but you'll, you know, I can also recommend Robin Carhart-Harris. He's... Um, sort of heading up the clinical trials in in the UK, specifically at Imperial College. Um, And he's a name that anyone can kind of stick into Google and you'll find lots of really interesting, fascinating talks. I think it's quite important to name, you know, Robin's work because, you know, he's really spearheading this and and actually doing some profound research in terms of the neuroscience of, of how these medicines work, you know, really uncovering things that nobody has has kind of put to the fore, you know, for, for, for a long time, you know, strictly using a neuroscientific kind of lens. Um, but to speak to what you were asking specifically about the DMN, the DMN is, is the default mode network. And it's the region of our brain that is responsible for our date, you know, so for our, our, our daily perceptions. So the way the brain works and I don't know if a lot of people know this, is it's actually kind of predicting things. And, and uh, as in like, it, it knows already as you're walking down the road, you know, there's traffic over there. It, before it sees a car, it's already engaging you in that thought process that cars might be coming on the road. On the road. This is the way our brain kind of works. And, and the DMN is responsible for those kind of more basic um uh, observations and reaction processes. You know, the DMN is what's active when you're driving. You don't really necessarily have to focus when you're typing, when you're doing sort of menial tasks. It's, you know, the way we kind of perceive our 3D kind of reality, right? Um, but to speak to, so so when we're under the influence of, of psilocybin, um, what happens is that region really kind of quietens down. Um, to relate it specifically to what you were asking um, about us engaging in um, or reacting to things differently, you know, us uh, engaging in less sorts of negative ways and and it sort of resetting these, you know, negative patterns, what they're finding out and what, you know, a lot of Robin Carhart-Harris's research is about is the fact that 
even though we really need this, you know, we need this component of our brain, we need the DMN to function, we can't completely sort of have it diminished all the time, um, even though there's so many benefits to that. What they're finding that when it's overreactive or underreactive, it is responsible for these conditions like ADHD, um, it exacerbates depression, you know, that over that, you know, rheumatism, that kind of like over, is, is that the right word? I feel like overthinking, overthinking. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That overthinking, Rheumatism. Um, ruminating, ruminating. Yes. It felt wrong when it came. <laughs> I was like, yeah, not quite right, but thank you for, for getting there. Yes. Ruminating. And then when you ruminate too much, you then sort of, it's not, you know, there's certain stages, isn't there? You kind of overthink. And then you, because of your overthinking, you start going down a downward spiral. Those thoughts become quite negative. And then suddenly all you have to do before you've even thought is wake up and it's just negative thoughts flooding in. That's basically how depression really kind of escalates. Um, So they are um, kind of seeing through this research that when the DMN um, is over uh, working, it's responsible for things like, you know, it leads to things like depression um, and anxiety. When it's under functioning, I think um, they're starting to their correlations to autism and to um, ADHD. So it's really, really quite vast and interesting research. And I definitely will recommend anyone that is maybe has been recently diagnosed, because I don't know if you know, I mean, the yeah, the diagnoses of things like ADHD are just like sky high at the moment. Yeah, I feel yeah. like everyone I know is you know, constantly just, you know, and this is friends, acquaintances, people that approach me. It's quite interesting, but I think it, so if we think about it this way too, when you really kind of break down that component of our brain and look at the DMN, you realize that actually, um, it's that the, the over-functioning and the under-functioning is also in direct correlation with I think the rise of technology, the fact that we're less engaged um, with nature. Um, there is now new research to back up the fact that, you know, if you were a kid and you grew up in an environment where you're sat in front of the television the whole time, rather than playing outside or playing in nature, you're more likely to develop some of these, you know, conditions. Um, so, yeah, but that's that's just because of how the DMN you know, engages in the day-to-day. And it kind of makes sense in a way. It's not to say, oh, watching television is bad. It's just actually, if we're only kind of, our brain is working in a certain way, it kind of then fixes itself, you know? Um, and this is what things like PTSD even are, you know, it, our brains get stuck in a trauma mode. Um, so it's all about just realizing that we, yeah, we, we you know, our brain is a very, very delicate um, organ that, that, I think it's starting to show us as humans that we need to engage in our humanity more. We need to engage in, I say in our humanity, in the things that make, you know, that, that constitute us as, as human beings, engaging with nature, yeah. engaging with animals, you know, um, cooking our own food. Um, it's, yeah, it, I think what it's really showing us is that, you know, the more we live in these, in this hyper-modernized culture, the more likely it is that we are going to have these sort of, yeah, issues. Um, so, yeah, it opens a whole window into... Um, mm. I guess community also would add into that, right, Vicky? Like, huge. in our modern world now, you know, well, it's it's hopefully reconnecting to that that community. But especially over the last few years, that has been dwindling just because of the way of way of the world and what we've been all forced into um but yeah having community around you is a massive part of that humanity oh my god so big and thanks for speaking to that point I mean I think it's really really poignant especially now that due to you know this mass pandemic you know we're, we're becoming even more isolated we've been living quite solitary lives for quite a while anyway. Yeah. And this has kind of just turned the dial up on that. And um, 
but I mean, I, I, I'm a half, a glass half full kind of person. I kind of see benefits to this isolation because I also, you know, think research has been done on the fact that in, in these last couple of years, um, you know, uh, quite a, a large segment of people have actually kind of flourished in the sense that they've had more time to think they've had more time to um reassess their lives and th- there's down. definitely been yes exactly there's there's definitely been a been a lot of of of, of um you know detrimental uh you know effects to, to, to this i'm not i'm not belittling you know um covid at all but i'm saying you know there's some positives but but we have to, yeah, we have to remember that actually um, community is important and um, and engaging with it and thinking of ways that we can kind of participate, um, even yeah. if it means that we're kind of doing it online. Yeah, is <laughs> yeah crucial. To yeah, absolutely. I'd also lo- love you to speak a little bit about. Um, microdosing versus macrodosing and it's probably something that a lot of people might be aware aware of this word microdosing I feel like it's quite hot hot topic is it something that you kind of approve of approve of and see the benefit of um uh, yeah could you speak to that a little bit please yes I can um I also will say I'm not an expert on microdosing I Mm. I mean I but I will speak to it from more so than us. I was going to say, you definitely are compared to us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My knowledge. I, you know, I say that, I guess I'm, I'm quite an honest person and, and I know, I don't think what, how do I call them? You know, professionals that work in the psychedelic space. I almost want to say professional microdosis. Um, (laughs) And uh, I I say this because yeah, it's, it's quite different. Um, And it is important that people kind of know, I think, um, microdosing can be a, a softer, more accessible way for people to sort of test the waters of, of what psychedelics are, are about, um, their benefits. Um, but they engage with the brain. I mean, you're, you're just taking, you're really taking quite minuscule amounts. I mean, amounts that basically you you shouldn't have a physical kind of reaction to on a day-to-day you're not actually supposed to be able to it's not you know it's not an amount that's going to distort your vision or or um bring on hallucinations um but also it's not going to fire fire up your you know neurological your neural pathways in the same way and it's not going to diminish the dmn so because of that drastic difference it's um, microdosing is, is being, um, sort of spearheaded for folks that, are wanting sort of creative expansion. Um, it's, I think that there haven't been that many scientific studies, but it has been shown, um, that it actually minimizes, um, Anxiety. The reason it does this is because it kind of um, heightens focus and product productivity. Um, so there's distinct benefits for both, but with the macrodosing, you kind of get all those components. You get everything in one. Whereas the microdosing is softer. Um, it's softer in a sense because you know you don't get that full body load in under one experience. You know um, when you journey with a micro macrodose, um, you're under the influence of the medicine for six to eight hours. You know, so it's quite a commitment. Um, whereas with a microdose, you engage with a protocol. You have to find one that sort of suits you. There's several. Um, and the idea is that you microdose for a certain portion of the week and you have gaps in between. Um, they're right. different protocols. James Fadiman and Paul Stemmons are, are good names to sort of check up in that. Um, but um, I, you know, I microdosed for a little while. I felt it did benefit me in terms of my kind of creative expansion and my, you know, my focus. But I much prefer the expanse and the of, of a, of a macrodose journey. You go so much deeper into yourself. Um, you uncover things, you peel back more layers, you literally kind of, yeah, like shed skins, (laughs) you know, um, there's a sort of, 
you know, a death and a rebirth process. I, I say that, you know, but obviously not, not a real death, um, a death of the ego of sorts, um, which microdosing just so, doesn't have the capacity to do because mm-hmm. you're taking, you know, um, such tiny amounts. Buki, before we come to your healthy habit, I'm guessing that a lot of people, when they listen to this, are going to be very intrigued. And I think it will be a, it will be very new to a lot of our listeners. And yeah. I'm wondering, apart from coming and doing your wonderful workshop, what might be the next steps for somebody who listens to this and, and kind of wants to explore this world? You've mentioned a few names of people who are very good to look up and look into. Um mm-hmm. I, I, I'm genuinely like recommending Buki's workshop is brilliant for anybody who's interested. You know, you don't then have to do anything with that info if you don't want to, but if you just want to learn about. Um, yes. I, I mean, obviously contacting me, um, they, I'm happy for folks to reach out on my IG or via my website um, or, or by email even um, because, yeah, outside of, I have a couple of courses and I'm actually just about to launch a new one in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, I will also be launching a smaller kind of series touching on the things that the intersections of this work mm-hmm. um, going a bit deeper. So in terms of starting points, I mean, I would say um, research and reading books, listening to podcasts um, is a great way actually uh, to kind of, you know, be on the sidelines and observe and sort of digest before you really kind of throw yourself in the deep end. Um, I, yeah, I'm happy to, to recommend some, some, some podcasts. Um, there's one called Modern Psychedelics, um, which is, which is great and vast and they, they, it's, it's obviously, you know, by, as I'm sure you can tell by the name, um, focusing on the, the Renaissance mm-hmm. um, and they interview key names in the space people from, you know, the scientific and clinical side to educators like me, um, to practitioners who actually sort of, you know, hold ceremonial space and things like that. So that's a good one. And then I'd say um, reading books. I mean, Michael Pollan's uh, how to change your mind was was a huge kind of catalyst for me. I'm 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 really aware that I keep naming men's names, and I'm like, right, come on, I I, I should already have uh, a list of names. There's there's a there's a great book. I've just yeah, her name has kind of slipped me. Um, Psychedelics and the Feminine, which I think is really brilliant for for women. Um, reading up about how, you know, the differences and what, what these medicines sort of engage in us as, as women, for sure, for me, this isn't, this again, isn't sort of information that you're going to find out from Robin Carhart Harris, for example, because it's, you know, his work is so much more scientific. I think the, what I, what I would really recommend is, you know, attend talks, there are loads of free seminars all the time. Um, and then once you sort of start following people in the space, like me, you know, we know how the algorithms work. You'll sort of suddenly start, um, you know, being ushered in the direction of other people. Um, and I, I think that the, what I would really kind of recommend is for people to really kind of put their misconceptions aside and just, you know, start afresh, start with a, a new kind of, because we, we, even when I was entering this, this sort of space, there was so much trepidation and so much fear that was really unnecessary. Um, so on top of me already needed to heal things, I had to dismantle that too, you know, so, um, really kind of, um, remembering that, you know, these medicines have been used in certain cultures, but, 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 you know, a tremendous amount of time. Um, and the reasons that they have is because they've seen the, you know, the medicinal value, not just in healing, you know, things like depression or, but in terms of, you know, that nature connection, in terms of community cohesion, um, all the other sorts of spiritual aspects as well. You know, lots of cultures have built their whole kind of ideologies and cosmologies directly from their communion with these medicines, you know, it's, yeah, it's really, really incredible. So there's so much vast, depending on which direction you kind of want to go in, um, there's a whole sea um, and wealth of information online um, from, you know, the scientific part to the sort of more spiritual aspects. Um, so really it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great that they're really kind of coming back to the fore. 
I mean, if, if folks are interested, I, I touch on a lot of things, you know, the ancestral, which is connected to the indigenous. Um, and I say this because actually once you start really, you know, I would say psilocybin is kind of part of my wellness regimen now. Um, I am a certified Hatha yoga. So I, you know, I, I, I meditate, I practice yoga. Um, I <laughs> take psilocybin. It's kind of all part of this holistic kind of, um, uh, holistic healing, uh, method that I'm, you know, kind of implementing in my life. And speaking of your wellness regime, Puki, we're going to finish the episode by talking about your healthy yeah. habit, yeah. which, um, I, I'll, I'll say what, it, what you call it. And then you can, you can dive into the whole, the whole routine, but yeah. you call it your morning starter. Yeah. which I just really like and kind of fits in with Kitchen Club and kind of thinking about meals. <laughs> yes. Although I ran out of lemon, so I didn't have my lemon lemon ginger tea this morning, but I had I, I, I had ginger. Yeah, this is this is a habit that kind of I, I formulated in, in segments. It wasn't like it just all came together as, you know, I keep adding components to, to it. Um, and actually one of the biggest things, I think you'll, you'll read this up online in terms of just sort of gaining mental clarity and hydrating and it's setting you up for the day. So many health and wellness websites will recommend having a hot glass, you know, of water with, you know, yeah, I would say go for a whole lemon. Don't, don't even half it. <laughs> um, because it, yeah, it kind of enables you to sort of hydrate quicker, um, but it also just brings on a whole load of, 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 of clarity. And I think there's actually, you know, again, scientific kind of fact about the benefits it, 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 of, of lemon juice in terms of kind of, you know, clearing up brain fog and things like that, right? So it's actually really, really helpful. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of jazz it up with, with ginger, um, with other herbs, sometimes fennel, sometimes rosemary, depends on my mood. Um, and then, you know, again, another modality that I really sort of latched onto that actually really opened me up. If it wasn't for meditation, if it wasn't for the Vipassana, I might not have gotten to psilocybin. I mean, I probably would have eventually, but it was through my Vipassana meditation that I, I kind of discovered, um, psilocybin. I, I, um, it was one of the modalities when I was really in the thick of my illness that really kind of allowed me to shut down that negative chatter in my mind. So I meditate in the mornings with, you know, make my, my hot lemon tea, meditate. Sometimes I'll do a yoga session. Um, and I now also will pick a card. I think I, I left this out. Um, I either pick a tarot card for the day or I pick an oracle card for the day. Um, that kind of helps either guide me or provides inspiration for what I should sort of focus on. Or sometimes, you know, I actually doesn't make any sense. And then by the end of the day, things sort of sink in and you're like, ah, <laughs> that's what this card was about. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my morning starter. Yeah. Yay. I love that. I'm going to give that a go now. I'm going to do a week of Buki's morning starter. It really helps to open you up and it really, I mean, you can see the difference. I'd say try it for a week and then also just sort of stop and see, try to compare the difference. Um, it's really great with focus. Um, cause we're so distracted these days, you know, I'm, we're addicted to picking up our phones. You know, you sit down to sort of type of answer emails and then you're on Instagram. And you're like, yeah. How what am I doing? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it really, really helps with focus and it helps with clarity and, and um, yeah. And, and that's super important, isn't it? In, in our yeah. I love that idea that lemon helps with brain fog. You said earlier about low mood affecting your memory. And this mm. is, I've, I've had a bit of a rough ride of the last few months and my memory has been awful. You can probably tell from my clumsily worded questions. I like start asking you a question and halfway through, I forget what I was saying. Oh no, so you're that's fine. Why I'm going to go for your lemon and your focus morning. Yes, it, and then I'm going to get my memory. Lemon water, everybody. No, really it's changed my world. And it's the one habit that you it's, I love habits that kind of, you don't actually have to put that much effort into sort of like honing because your body actually starts getting, gets sort of addicted to it, let's say. And that's all 
fine by me. If I, if I get addicted to healthy habits, it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you'll, you'll find that you miss it. You know, you have three days of, of not having it and your body's sort of yearning for lemon water in the morning. So yeah, it's definitely a, a, a good one. Um, mm. I can't claim it though. It's not, it's not. (laughs) Oh, it has been so, so wonderful having you, Vicky. I feel like we've just like dipped our toes into the ocean of what is a humongous conversation. Yeah. But for me, someone who hasn't got much insight to this at all, I feel like I've learned loads and it's it's been a great um start thank you so much for having me on yes it's been really lovely speaking to you and and also just hearing your insights too bye buki thank you so much buki she is so amazing sarah can you see why i was so excited to have her on the podcast i think she's fascinating what a topic yeah, so fascinating. You've literally been like, can we, can we talk about this? Can we talk about this for so many seasons? So she is just the great, a great woman to have on. I learned and a lot. It's actually such a fascinating subject in general. Like if this has interested you, everybody, then definitely do some more research. There's some brilliant documentaries out there. I think the BBC even did a really good documentary on the use of um, psilocybin in the treatment of depression. So I'm sure if you Google mm. that, it will come up and it's, it's really interesting. I'll give it a watch too. Um, And as always, listeners, if you want to know more about Buki, then her details will be in the show notes below this episode. And if her rainbow bowl excites you as a recipe, it is actually incredible, even though for me, it felt like what Instagram food was like. Very 2016. (laughs) But it's so, so yummy. Um, You'll find the recipe to that on our Instagram page at kitchen club podcast and if you are enjoying our podcast then we would love 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 for you to share share this episode with someone who might enjoy it and also please like and subscribe if you're feeling kind happy valentine's day lovers oh yeah happy v-day have a lovely one and we'll see you next week we love you bye bye Treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.